And now, let's go to our guests. Joining us now is Rabbi Yaakov Neuberger. Rabbi Neuberger is a Rosh Yeshiva at Ritz and is also the rabbi of Congregation Beth Abraham in Bergenfield, New Jersey, where he has been the Rav since 1990. In addition to being a Rav, he has a degree in psychology from Columbia University. Rabbi Neuberger, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. Now, Rabbi Neuberger, I, I looked up your bio, and one of the things I saw was that you are a a, uh, a source of a lot of advice in Shalom Bais and uh, teach Hassanim and the like. If I can ask you, what is the most common, number one, Shalom Bais question that you get asked? The most common issue which comes my way is uh, couples who feel they're living sort of parallel lives, and they're not... Uh, connected in the way that they had anticipated, that their understanding of what a home should be, which I think is correct and accurate, is that the two should be much, much more involved, much more kugufachas. And uh, because of the busyness of life and the stresses of life, so they feel that they're they're living parallel. They're not communicating deeply enough. They're not uh, having enough fun with each other. Um, they don't feel a real sense of, uh, of, of deep concern. Uh, the functional concern, yeah, getting things moving, yeah, but a deep concern for the be nice about all of each other. So that's the, that. I think is what comes my way that that disappointment. And, and what point in the marriage is that? Is that typically newlyweds, one year, two years, or even ten, twenty, thirty, forty years into the marriage? Unfortunately, I see it. Uh, I see it at all sorts of different points. I see <laughs> it, it, it presents a little bit differently because when it's very, very young, so then it creates a sense of suffix that was a, was a good decision. On the other hand, there's openness and they understand they're young and there's a learning curve and they have to build. When it's uh, while they're rearing children, so then uh, the disappointment is much deeper. And and the sense and the sense of yish is uh, is much more significant. So, but uh, but I unfortunately, and I can't say I see this in, in large numbers, Baruch Hashem, large percentages, but uh, that to my mind is the what comes my way most, that sense of disappointment. Uh-huh, interesting. And and would you say that it's typically the man is at work, he's living his life because of his involvement at work, and the woman is at home? Or do you also have this when you have both of them working and they're also living their parallel lives that way? I, I see it in both. I see that uh, the... I see it in both when it's they're both in um, in businesses or they're both in uh, professional lives. So there may be a little bit more of an understanding of uh, at least how they got to that point. Um, but when the when when was when the spouse when his wife is seen as the major home uh, builder, so then the disappointment is even more significant because there's a greater sense of sacrifice, which there is. And uh, and the greater sense of being a provider. So uh, I don't I don't think it's limited to one situation or the other. Uh, and what's the eight so that you give when uh, they're in this situation? So the, it's more um, trying to give them tools to connect better, 
to, uh, trying to figure out why they're not connecting, where the disappointment comes in. First of all, to give them a sense that it's a Tzara's Rabbim. It is not uniquely their their relationship. And uh, to be more appreciative of what each one is doing, to be more appreciative of, of gender differences. And, uh, and I think to describe to them how fulfilling the relationship could be what they can you know what they were dreaming for and what they anticipated is accurate is great that's the way it's supposed to be and develop communication skills if the relate this if the relationship has come to the point of being not fully functional then it requires professional intervention but if it's um a functioning relationship, but they want this relationship to be a better, deeper relationship, then it's giving chizuk, giving uh, skills, giving positive reinforcement, and giving each one the excitement to, to work on it, to build together, and to positively reinforce each other. Now, if I would ask you, the second most common issue that uh, a husband and wife come to you with? That probably is uh, handling the stresses of life. That that our couples nowadays, I believe, are under much greater stress than uh, than previous generations, as indicated by the amount of um, numbers of people who are on different uh, drugs to alleviate uh, stress and anxiety, and um, I mean non-clinical anxiety. So the the stress of life that all our wives are handling multiple loads. Besides, some our wives are uh, taking care of the family, and uh, and they're working very hard, usually earning either partial or even more than partial parnosa. And then we've uh, gone down a, a pathway which is um, probably unwise in uh, in creating an expectation for our wives and to be uh, to have full professional lives, and then uh, then they go to parenting sure. And then they go to Shalom Bayes Shurim, and then they go to other Shurim, and, and the the pressure that is pre- placed on our wives and then our families is uh, very, very substantial. So handling those stresses, and the stresses which come from parents and from in-laws, so that I think is the the second greatest concern that comes my way. So we have stresses coming from all directions, all directions. So obviously Corona didn't help, but it sounds like the issues that you're pointing out are are independent of Corona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's, uh, some things have been, were exacerbated and some things were eased because of um, both spouses being home together more. Uh, so I, I, I haven't seen a, that Corona was a, a, a significant change in these issues. Interesting. That if Hassan uh, Kala, or or it could be later on when people come to you with issues, and and uh, you want to tell them what's the most important thing to focus on? Like, what's the most important ingredient for success in marriage? What would you say? I think that Chazal uh, see husbands and wives as, as being givers to each other, and uh, getting excitement out of being givers, and appreciating that the uh, Ava love is providing for each other. And um, and the sense of uh, of being mevater, of being that uh, letting go of one's own self centeredness, uh, making the family the center. So I think that's uh, I think that a close second to that is understanding differences, understanding gender differences, and understanding that one can build on those differences rather than uh, see them as a weakness, see them as a strength. Hassanim, I often suggest that they read uh, John Garay's first book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, to get an appreciation in 
our own cultural language that there are significant gender differences, but those can be great strengths if one appreciates them. Right, absolutely. So obviously there are disagreements and oftentimes people will come to you when they disagree about various things. So is there a halacha or a chazal that guides us in understanding how disagreements, machlokas should be dealt with between spouses? There are specific areas uh, when there are when there's a competition of uh, of agendas or needs or uh, issues between parents and spouse when there are very specific issues whether it's chinuch uh, or whether it's uh, numbers of children so there are specific areas where halacha gives us a guidance to work with at least a model to work with and then there's the bechlal that it is it is heavily the husband's responsibility to make sure that the home is a happy home Rambam quotes and this husband's responsibility to appreciate the source of bracha that his wife is and that's it says next over right and in the modern world, so so uh, a lot of us aren't doing. At least we should be doing oiker. At least we should that we can all do. You don't need to be rich to do oiker. So uh, so it is the husband's responsibility more than the wives to create a home that is uh, that is uh, that's fun and happy and upbeat and uh, when one feels a uh, being uplifted and warm. Mm-hmm. And appreciate it. And appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So a husband and wife comes to you, and, and sometimes, uh, since 1990, so that you've been a rub for over 30 years of, of the same shul, and you probably see recurring issues. I've, I've been there, done that, seen this one again and again and again. And sometimes you, you probably often you have a hunch, he's wrong, she's right, she's right, she's wrong, he's acting inappropriately. How do you deal with it when you have both spouses in front of you and you know that one is in the right and one is in the wrong? First of all, never to say, I've seen this before, <laughs> never to say. Uh, <laughs> it's always and, different. And, 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 you know, it's two different people, two different ways of looking at things. And uh, and I think a rub has to be, if a rub communicates that you that you are dealing with something that's uniquely yours, so I think then they will take ownership over it. I think it's an MS because no two people are alike and no two people emote in the same way. And it's very often by uh, asking each one to do some their own role playing, and sometimes to get have them figure out to have. Sometimes when I meet with them separately, I'll say, well, when I discuss this with your husband, with your wife, what's he or she going to say? And their their own, uh, when they work in their own minds, what their husband or wife is going to say, that's going to be very helpful to understanding each other. So, you know, clearly wrong, very, very rare is there, in husbands and wives situations, is there clearly wrong, clearly right. Even in Dine Torah, we talk about having a pshara because there's always... Uh, way of understanding each side so uh, sometimes there there is we do have some clarity and we can help them have clarity for example when there are when there are when there's a competition between a spousal need and a parental need so their halach is very clear that the spousal need uh, comes first so that there is some clarity over there but uh, to give each one an appreciation for how important taking care of parents are and taking care of parents, how that's going to then reflect on how one's children will relate to, to the people in front of us. 
so that helps soften uh, a uh, sometimes the clarity of who's right and who's not in the right this particular time. And you mentioned before uh, calling in basically reinforcements in the form of a therapist. So at one point, when you have an issue between spouses, you say, I need to move this over to the professional realm. One thing we have to appreciate, one of the one um, event uh, that has changed over the course of many years is that we now have so many Baruch Hashem from therapists who really understand uh, from kite and who will be encouraging of the families to deepen their their from kite and see and see your shemaim and Abba shemaim as a source of strength. So the the concern that rabbis had thirty years ago, and they're interested in holding on to it and not giving it over to a therapist. We don't have that anymore. We uh, and there's so many therapists that will work with the rav. And it'll be uh it'll be the spot it'll be the, the the family the couple therapist and the rub working together. So I think we should be much much easier in terms of handing it over to to therapist. In my mind, um, first of all, if, if the family is not functional, then that's usually the simon that uh, and halach as well. Halacha dysfunctional is a sign of a holy. So if a family is not fully functional, then there's a good chance that we need to have a therapist. Uh, to help work things out. And it goes beyond the rabbi. The rabbi can give chizuk. The rabbi shouldn't be giving therapy. Um, and in my mind, once it's something that uh, can't really be significantly helped and fixed in one or two meetings, then I think that's already a simon that it belongs in the in the realm of a, a therapist, even just to evaluate. Let, let a therapist evaluate whether this is something the rabbi should be doing. And if it's something the rabbi should be doing, the therapist will help the rabbi work it out. If, if the rub is getting drawn into meeting after meeting and after meeting, it, it's time to, to move Absolutely. it over. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you a number of issues when people come to you, husband and wife, and they have a shalom bias issue. As I would think these are fairly common ones. They have disagreements on having additional children. Yeah. And I, I would guess that she is done and he's not. Maybe, you know, that may be more common. I'd love to hear if that's the case or not. That would be my assumption. No, 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 Okay. Strike that from the record. Strike it from the record. What, what happens and what do you say? It's, it's the, it's the only case where you can't compromise. Right. So that's, he makes it so difficult to, uh, to, to address the situation. Unless he wants four and she wants zero. So you come out at two or yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So usually it's the next one that comes up. It's, uh, it's very rarely. If it's I want four more. <laughs> so, um, so in that situation, I think it's important. There, there are, it's, it's the way you said it that where one spouse says, I'm done. I've, I'm, I'm, I see myself, I see my life at a different stage. And sometimes the couple will come together and one spouse says, we have more than we can handle right now. Um, and it's not a question of finances. Finance, like we can be we can help out. We can explain that to bring another neshama to the world. So that's a Claudius role advantage. Claudius has to help me out. So finances, we try to put aside. But one spouse is, we're, we're stressed out. We have, uh, uh, Baruch Hashem, we're handling, we're, but we're at our wits end right now. And we have, and one child requires this extra tipple and requires extra tipple. And the other spouse is saying, no, I, I, I'll pekin, I'll pekin. So then, uh, then we have to dig a little bit deeper. Then sometimes, and make sure that the that the sense of being overwhelmed is is in the realm of, of appropriate. But in that case, I think that uh, the spouse, which feels that they're being overwhelmed, has to 
be respected, and that the other spouse has to appreciate that this is a an appropriate way to make a decision. Again, it has to be within the realm of if one says, you know, one child, two children, overwhelming. You have to figure that out. But if they have a number of children already, um, and to understand that that once the spouse that is saying I'm done, so to speak, has to appreciate the um, significance of this decision. It's a, a decision which very rarely, if they're in their early 30s, we can, we can, we'll walk it back, and it's not really a significant decision. But if they're in their late 30s, it's a very significant decision. And also appreciate, on the other hand, the powerful instinct that usually it's a, a woman has to want to be able to provide more life. So now that's one particular scenario. If it's a scenario where one says, look, I'm at a different stage of life. You know, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm at this age. I see myself. And the, uh, so then we have to try to walk that back. Who says that there are uh, stages of life? Who says yeah, you can say, I'm now in my mind, I have, I have certain cobwebs of the way life should be. Who said? I have to figure this out. Where did that come from? And uh, usually, it's the usually it's the husband that says, um, "I see myself in a different stage of life right now." And I have a hayurah from uh, one of the one of the gedolim that uh, that halacha does formulate the mitzvah pribiribis being the chiv and the husband. So he sees that halacha does make the husband the driver. But he said, on the other hand, the husband should be a nice guy and understand what's going in his wife's heart. So many men don't get the powerful maternal instinct that women have. And many men don't get the uh, that this is a, a, a life-defining part of one's wife. It's part of her mahus. So, so, so my role is to explain to each of them what each one is going through in terms that they may not have thought of before. And uh, hopefully, if... They have the wherewithal to have more children. Hopefully by understanding where each one is at, we can move them to to an appreciate how they can help each other out, so to speak. <laughs> and, and then and then they have to be at peace with the decision. In other words, if, in a, to, to, be, to, ha- to bring a child into this world and to feel that I, I did this only for my spouse. I really don't, didn't want this to happen, but I did it for my... So, so that I don't think is fair to the child. I think it's that you have to come, that the spouse has to come with an appreciation that doing this for my spouse, that's a great thing. I, I take ownership of. I'm, I'm excited about that. That's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be a big plus in, in in raising this child. And I love the child not only because he's my child, but I love the child because the child was a something that I was doing for our family. So that uh, I would think that's a concept that would exist regardless of the issue. You come to the rav, you get resolution, you got a psak or you got an etza. Don't be resentful from it. Move forward with a, with a smile, with an acceptance of it, and and no looking back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to right to deepen the appreciation of what one's doing and make that part of how one feels good and positive. With it. Okay. Yeah. So ne- next, Shaila, they come to you and uh, different minhagim. They grew up with uh, different minhagim at the Pesach Seder or Gabrachs or not, whatever it may be. And uh, she wants this way, he wants that way. How do you handle that? So that's also an area we have we have clarity in Allah, and that is that uh, that both the great Ashkenazim and the great Sardim uh, poskim understand that the husband's minag is the minag that is kaveh for the family. So that we have great clarity. Um, there are times when there are I do believe there's a concept of a minag noshim. For example, the uh, how many uh, candles a woman lights for Shabbos. 
So I think that, that one does follow the mother's minute. And I found it, Baruch Hashem, in the Birkas Avram. Avram Erlinger is at Salah, lived recently, so he has also authored several volumes on Machshava. So I did find that in his uh, Sefer, that uh, there's such a thing as a million things that, that mothers pass on to their daughters to their daughters. So that uh, might trump the husband's um, greater greater ownership over the minhagim of the family. And then uh, there are situations where a husband, where he doesn't have a minhag, it doesn't have their, like the Pesach Seder, so some things are, are done by the minhag of the husband. Let's say there is a minhag that one's wife have, and the husband doesn't have a minhag not to do that. So why not why not uh, introduce the minhag of one's wife if it's a, it's a good thing? It, it, uh, it gives... My wife, greater, a greater presence, the, the, the greater covet, machabda yesu megufa. So why not do that out of covet for one's wife, covet for one's, uh, for one's in-laws? Very often, um, such in my case, where one, uh, zochet to marry into mishpachum yocheses. So there have been times historically where men who have married into, uh, into mishpachos miyuchosos in Claudius have taken on many of the practices of their wife's family. So it's uh, so we have clarity of of the starting point and the, and the context and where things should happen, and then sometimes uh, we're able to add nuance to it. Make it work. Just make it work between the two of them. So, There's a book that's often has a carries that name. <laughs> I heard of it. Uh, where to send kids to school? He wants some place. She wants the other place. So sometimes one has to ask, well, what, what were the expectations when you got married? Have things that shifted since you got married? If things have shifted since they got married, then that I think is an important uh, player in the conversation. Rabbi writes that in, uh, in certain halachic issues that uh, expectations that were created, we have that in halach as well. Expectations of how one will, it will, will earn one's income and how it impacts on the intimacy and family. So that I think has to be an important starting point. On the other hand, if there's been an aliyah ruchni since they got married and uh, one spouse wants uh, more in Ruchnius, so then it's very hard for the Rav to say, well, let's walk this back to the expectations. You have to try to make it, uh, try to make it, it, it sit well with both spouses. And uh, if the, if the dream is to have children who are bigger Talmud Chachamim, who are uh, greater in their, uh, in their appreciation of uh, Sneas, and so then uh, one has to try to, Discuss with the spouses who are hesitant how this is a good thing, and this will give you a source of great bracha. Sounds like this is not an easy one because you have competitive imperatives here. If you're looking at when the marriage was, it, they may have been on the same page, but if one of them have an aliyah thereafterward, you're pointing in a different direction. So I would think that this requires a real pshara. It could be, but uh, it could be. And sometimes that, that's the way to work it out. In other words, that uh, to go to see what the what one can um, add on, so to speak. What can one? Where can we try to get everything we want? And it could be that in one in one institution, one more side, we can get a certain amount, and then we're able to round out um, in an extracurricular fashion what the other parent wants. Next one: husband doesn't like how she covers her hair, or she doesn't like how he's dressing. He's not, he's not Sanua. He's dressing in. Uh, we had a show on wearing a bike shorts or something like that. So how do we get with uh, get, get over those issues where where the uh, each is not happy with the other how how they are dressing? And some of this halacha, some of it is ashkafic issues. So in this area, I think we also do have some clarity from halacha that. Uh, Ultimately, 
the the halachas of let's say of kisi rosh and of sneis are the are one's wife's responsibility, and the way the husband's dress is the husband's responsibility. So that that's the beginning point of the conversation, and uh, and I and I have to I have a greater responsibility to worry about my own what's mutal alive, what's my responsibility, and I obviously want to encourage my spouse to be uh, more ruchni and to be more careful, but ultimately it's going to be, it's, it's their decision. And um, so that's, I think, the beginning point. And then the next stage is well, if couples feel that the way that the spouse is dressing has a negative impact on the inner working of the family. So then we have to play that out. How, how is this going to impact on the children? What are the associations that they carried with it. And very often, they don't understand each other. Very often, uh, one spouse is able to say, the, what you think, the associations that you have, not accurate. And you think that it's a general Yerida Ruchnius, not accurate. Um, sometimes we're able to suggest that there are ways of, of again, em- ameliorating. One spouse sees this as a, a Yerida Ruchnius or associates us in a difficult way. Okay, so then let's do other things that will uh, compensate. Compensate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and, and I think, but to, I think that it's uh, to walk it away from a source of contention and source of disruption. Ultimately, a spouse can, if, if everything else is good, right, and and the shmiras and mitzvahs is good, and the uh, in general, and uh, we all have our flaws, we have a weakness, and there are great strengths that each couple brings to the ruchnis of the family. So then, to move it away from a point of contention to a point of to, there is a to a point of this is a good thing for my shalom bias, and that is a value, and that's going to be a source of strength. But Pincus has, in the opening of his uh, volume in Shalom Bayis, he describes, and I find this very, very valuable for B'nai Torah, that, uh, that, that the ultimate goal that Chazal have is to create a, a home where Kedush Baruch Hu is comfortable in the home, a, a, a form of a mikdash in one's own home. So one should be able to see that that also is a Maisa Mitzvah. It says very often halacha you have the global idea, and the Maisa is a global idea to become a Talmud Chacham, to become a person who is uh, malumid and cult. But then there's the Maisa, the Mitzvah Prati is put in the time today, to learn today. There's the Mitzvah, the global issue of Avas Reyim, and then there is... Uh, there's, there's Zachnas's Kala, the global issue of having Shechina Shui But that means in detail that today I have to move out there. Today I'm going to do something which is, uh, doesn't take care, is nothing for me, but it's for my wife. Mm-hmm. So that's a Maisa Mitzvah. So to see that individual moment as a Maisa Mitzvah, I'm so, so that I am being Mavater on the way I think that the ideal way, and something is the ideal way, but if that's going to be, Increase the presence of Shechin in our home. So then that's the right thing to do. That's a mice and mitzvah right now. Again, without resentment, as mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Very good. La- last question. And this is a very common one. I, I actually uh, once was speaking with a, a financial advisor and I asked him, uh, what's the source for disagreements in the family? And he said, number one, financial issues, financial disagreements. Could be that you, financial advisor. Financial advisor. So that's what everyone's coming to him for. They're not coming to ask him about Minhagim. But but in any case, it could be uh, she wants to buy a shaitel, but he wants to go on vacation and there's only enough money for, for one of them. Or it could be, and I saw the Shaila, Astor of Zilberstein, 
Um, he wants to buy her clothing and he, she says, I want to buy him clothing. He's a bentari, needs a new hat and et cetera. And, and they're each saying, I want to buy for the other one. So it can come in different formulations. And how do we deal with these when there are disagreements over money? And, and these, it could be significant. It could be small things or it could be very significant items of buying a house because we need an extra bedroom or something like that. I think that the, the couple can be can come to an understanding that this is a source of great strength, that they hear each other, they listen to each other patiently, that they're willing to consider each other, that, uh, and, and, and appreciate that they're both bringing very important points to the discussion. So that becomes a, a form of building, that if certainly if, if each one wants to move out there on their own needs for their spouse, it's a, a great source of strength that they have to appreciate. Ultimately, the uh, the husband does have greater achrayas for the financial stability of the family. Um, at, but at the same time, the husband is told, So if it's, uh, if the one spouse sees the other spouse as being reckless, so then that has to, uh, 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 then we can ask the financial advisor, is this really reckless? Is this really a pshia? So then we have to try to convince the, the person who is doing something that's uh, not in the best interest of the stability of their family to walk it back. And the other end, if it's the case of uh, that one wants a vacation and one wants to have uh, shaitel, so then I think it is husband's. It has to be evaluated. It could be that the it'll be better for both to have a vacation, have some stress-free time. But if that's not uh, what comes through, so then. Certainly, and we have to work with the husband together to be able to find the ability to have some stress-free time in a different way. Well, Rabbi Neuberger, thank you so much for those insights. I uh, want to thank you very much for joining us uh, on Headlines, and I look forward to next time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's a covenant to spend time with you. And uh, what you're doing for Claudius Roll, certainly in Headlines, but in your writing, and then you're making probably sensitive to issues in the workplace and how to understand that these are real real issues, both halakhically and uh, in terms of the health of the family. So, Baruch Hashem, it's a great zchus that you have and uh, your help, your mezakeh. Joining us now is Rabbi Pesach Kron. Rabbi Kron is the famous Magid and also the famous Mohel, the prolific author and the prolific speaker as well. And from what I see, he has a lovely relationship, partnership with his wife. Uh, whenever I, I um, email with Rabbi Krohn to try to convince him to go on, come on the show, which he's happy to do, I include not only Rabbi Krohn, but his wife as well, who helps arrange and gives him content as well. Let's call it what it is, Rabbi Krohn. So it is a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure and my honor to be here. And the thing that you just said about my wife, I feel, in a sense, is the essence of marriage. Ari, I just want to tell you, I once saw something that is so fabulous. Do you know what the word team, T-E-A-M, stands for? No, I don't. Listen to this. Together, everyone accomplishes more. That's a team. Isn't that great? Together, everyone accomplishes more. And that's in any type of team, and especially in the team of marriage. And there's no question that, um, as we will talk about, when each one gives to the other and the spouse is able to accept ideas or criticism in a nice way from each other, that that's really what the team is all about. And uh, in sports, it's the same thing. And in business, when a team is 
working together, it's even greater than the sum of its parts. So the, the whole is greater than the parts. Exactly. Right. Great. Right. Great. Right. But Rabbi Kron, I mean, I, I see from our email interactions and your wife's involvement, because, you know, when we, we spoke recently and I could give hear your wife in the background giving you eights, which I love. I loved it. So and we, we she would have been happy to come on the show. I would have loved, loved to have both of you, but she has to work this morning. Unfortunately. Right. No, she's a principal at Shemek High School. And this morning she's giving finals. So. No, so but we would have had the Crohn's. But, but she said you'll be in good hands with just Rabbi Crohn. So, so Rabbi Crohn, what would you say is the most important ingredient to having a successful or, or happy marriage? Well, I think that um, there's a great expression that a dear friend of mine, Avram Peretz Friedman, wrote a wonderful book called Table for Two. It's a very thin little book, but boy, is it worth its weight in gold. And he made a statement in there. And we discussed that. I discussed it with him. He said, the ideal in marriage is not finding the right partner, but being the right partner. And, you know, that is such an important lesson in life. You know, we always, many people blame the other person, you know, why things are not going well. But if you are the best partner, being the right partner, you are the right partner, then things work out. And, you know, I just want to share with you a fascinating Gemara. You know, what does it mean to be the right partner? So in the Gemara and Tainus of Bezomanalaf, it tells us the story that Rabreka was once walking with Elio Anovi. Imagine this chus. Rabreka was walking with Elio Anovi, and Elio Anovi sees two people coming to them. And if you take a look in the Gemara, he says, These people, B'nai Alma de Osinet, these are people who are going straight to Elam They are special people. And Rabreka didn't realize who these guys were. They're so special. So he waited. This, I love this sidebar. He waited until Elio Anovi went. In other words, he didn't talk to the other guys when Elio Anovi was there. You were the, you know, the Novi. And uh, or a great Talmud Chacham, it's the same thing. You have respect, you deal with them, and then when they leave, then you'll talk to somebody else. So when Elio Anavi left, he said, the guys, you know, Maya Vidatacha, what do you guys do? So listen to what they said, and we will see something so brilliant. They said, we are happy people, we make those that are depressed, we make them happy. And that's a great thing. As a matter of fact, you know, in the Halalukas, I once heard that Chassidish uh, Rebbe said, um, Hashem has the capacity to heal the brokenhearted. And he said, what are the first letters of those words? That's the biggest praise you could say on somebody, that they are They can walk into a room and put their arm around somebody and make that person feel good. And we know that today in the last year and a half, of course, you know, with COVID and everything that surrounds it, there have been many, many brokenhearted people. And if you could be that that's fabulous. And that's what they did. They were they made the people that were sad, they made them happy. But watch what the Ma'amleya says, which is absolutely brilliant. The Ma'amleya, if anybody wants to look it up, is in Dvarim Kofches, Pasek Mem Zayin. And he says like this, what did they answer? They, he asked them, what do you do? They had a caveat. They said, we are happy people. We make others happy. Why didn't they just say, we make others happy? What was that caveat that they said, we are happy people? And listen what the Ma'amleya writes. Bo'alam comes to teach us. 
If you want to make somebody else happy, your spouse happy, your kids happy, your employees happy, your students are happy, you have to be happy. If they would be depressed, negative people, even if they want to make somebody else happy, they couldn't do that. So the idea is, if you want to have a happy spouse, and you're wondering, why is your spouse not happy? You know something? You might have to look in the mirror. And when you see yourself, you'll realize, you know something? It's it's really you. And that's really one of the first lessons in marriage. You've got to be a happy, positive person. And when you're happy and positive, you can make others happy. But if you're always looking to criticize, you know, you have to realize that maybe that, that brings a negative aspect to the marriage. Right. So that's a very powerful ma'am, Loez. Very powerful. If if you want to be misameach, somebody else be sameach yourself, be happy yourself. In in that vein, it seems that we have a couple potentially conflicting chazals. I, I think almost on point of that, it says, in Yavama Samach Beis, Tanorabana, Oeves, Ishto Kegufo, if you really love your wife like yourself, and you are mechabed her more than yourself, it seems that the onus is on the husband. And there's also a Gemara in Baba Metzia, Nuntas Amaralef, because of the wife but on the other hand that seems the onus again is on the husband on the other hand the Yalkut Shimoni this is a famous one and there are different explanations of what this means, but the onus on her, on the wife, to do the desires of the husband. So how would you reconcile that in order to achieve that simcha? I think that's a great question, and I think the answer is two words, and we'll elaborate on these two words. When Hashem said that he wanted to make a partner for Adam Arishain, he said, Eseloi Ezer Kenegdai. Azer is a helpmate, but Kenegdai is somebody that opposes him. So the simple meaning is Azer Kenegdai, a helpmate alongside him. But also, I think part of marriage is understanding that everybody has to realize they are not the only partner in the marriage. And of course, what Chazal is saying is that the husband has to try to please his wife. But on the same token, the wife has to please the husband because they're in this together. As a matter of fact, I'll show you something so beautiful. You know, there's a fabulous book. It's one of my favorite books from Archgold, besides the Magid books, of course. But <laughs> there's a great book, and it's called The Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet. And Rabbi Monk wrote that book. And it is so brilliant. Every page, every page you can learn something about the Hebrew alphabet. It really is a must-have. Fabulous book. And in there, he mentioned something so beautiful. And he says that in the Pasek, in Bereshia's base, Pasek HaFalaf, where it says that Hashem, that Hashem took one of the sides of Adam Arishan, and he filled in flesh in its place. Vayiskar is spelled Vov Yud Samach Gimel Resh. And you know what the Medrash tells us? In Bereshia's Rabbi Yud Zayin Vov, from the beginning of the word Bereshia's, until this word Vayiskar, Ein kan samach. There's no samach. There's no samach by any living being, not by the birds, not by the fish, not by the animals. The first living creation that has a samach in it is mankind, Adam and Chava. And why? And he says something so beautiful, because if you take a look at the letter samach, now, of course, I'll show it to you, but I know that we're on, um, but if you take a look at it, you see samach is complete. 
You know, that's the value of Zoom or talking in person. You can see Samach is like a full circle. And why is that? Because the idea is that a husband is supposed to encircle and protect his wife. And the wife, in turn, is supposed to protect him. That's what the Samach is. That's the answer to the stira of the Gemaras. They each have to be the Samach. Now watch this. When I thought about this, it occurred to me, that's why the ring that a husband gives a wife is a perfect Samach, right? And that's why at the Hasana, she walks around him. That's a perfect Samach. And you know what the Pasuk for that is? It's got a Samach in it. The Keva to save a giver. The, the Nekeva, she walks around the um, the husband and she surrounds him. As a matter of fact, if you would not believe it, but if you take a look at the Targum in Beresh's base, Pasuk Yotches, Eseloi Ezek you know what the Targum is? Eseloi Samach. It's a Samach. It's beautiful. That's the and, and my mechut and Freddie Pfeiffer in Montreal, so like his own, he had a father, Yerel Pfeiffer, who said something so amazing. He said, Eze Kenegda is Begamatria 360. That's a perfect circle, 360 degrees. So Eze Kenegda, it all ties together. In other words, there's no question that the husband has to worship his wife and try to do whatever she he can for her. But on the other hand, she has to do the same thing to him. That's what the Aza connect. It's alongside, but it's an Aza. It's a helpmate. It can't be one-sided. If it's one-sided, it's going to fall. That's it's very beautiful. That's very beautiful. Yeah. Now, it, it sounds like that's the ideal. The Samach, it's rounded. It's not jagged. It's smooth. That's what you're saying. It's right. smooth. But, but Lemaisa, practically in life, everything doesn't always go so smoothly. Uh, things can get jagged, barbed. Things come up and disagreements do come up. So how would you say people should resolve those conflicts. The Samach is the ideal, but it's never ever packaged so beautifully and smoothly. Right. And and I think that it's very, very important to know that Azer Kenegdoi, within those words, shows us that there's potential for conflict, but that's not the end of the world. Kenegdoi means opposing. Now, I'm going to show you something that is so amazing to me. I cannot believe, you know, when I think about it, that the Torah would kind of lift the shades on Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and show us a level of conflict. Now, if you never thought about it in this way, it is just a pillar. It is just a wonder. And you have to ask yourself, why did the Torah tell us these things? And I think that the Torah is telling us these things to know that when there is some conflict, that's not the end of the marriage. That's part of marriage. As a matter of fact, my dear friend, Yaakov Solomon, who was a great therapist and a, a social social worker, he once said the greatest chinuch for your children's marriage is that you should have a good marriage. And that's why sometimes when people come from a marriage that was dysfunctional, the first argument, they figure, oh, I'm getting out of here. I'm not going through what my father went through. I'm not going through what my mother through, went through. I'm getting out of here. But when children see that there can be differences and there is a way of resolving them, then, of course, you know, then the marriage can continue. And that's part of marriage. Don't forget, we're not allowed to marry our sisters. We're not allowed to marry our brothers. Wouldn't that be the greatest? We came from the same house. There'd be no conflict. We got the same ideas. No, no, no. There's an Azer and there's a connector. And then Lebosar Echad Rashi says in the child, there are Bosar Echad, not between them. When they create that new idea together. That's really what it's all about. There's input from both. But let's watch something. You know, I'm going to show you something about Avram and Sarah. Now, we know that they had some conflict, right? Avram wanted Yishmael to stay in the house. Sarah wanted him out because she was afraid that he would influence Yitzchak. Avram. Avram, Hashem says to Avram, Don't feel bad about them. 
I know you're arguing with her. And I know that she wants him out and you want him in because you, you're the greatest, you're the cure professional, number one, right? So you figure you're going to, you're going to save him. But you know something? No, sir, you're out. You're wrong. And Rashi says, She had Ruach HaKodesh. Can you believe that? That Sora was a greater Nevi'ah than Avram was a Nabi. So here there was conflict and Hashem resolved it. But now let's watch this. This is to me unbelievable. And this is in Bereshit Yudches, Pasuket Beis. Sora's laughing. She said, Achri Belosi, are you sitting now? I'm going to have a child. Vadoni Zokin, my husband is old, right? It's not going to happen. So what does Hashem say? Hashem has a taina. Vayema Hashem al Avram. Hashem says Avram, Loma Zetzachakasara. Why did she say? Why did she laugh? And she said, Afunam Ani Elav Ani Zokanti, and I'm old. That's not what she said. She said, he's old. So what does Rashi say? It's unbelievable. Watch how the shades are lifted. The Pasuk Hashem changed. Avram and Sarah would have had a shalom by his problem. Yeah, that's right. In other words, she said, he's old. And if he would have heard that, she said that. Well, they could be a shalom by his problem. How come the Torah is telling us? Avram and Sarah, the paragons of Yiddishkeit, right? They could have had a shalom by his problem. Yes, sir. That's Asa Kenegda. So don't fall apart when something happens. Because we see that there was a potential even by Avram and Sarah. So that's amazing. Now, let's watch by Yitzchak. Yitzchak and Rivka. Okay? Now, we all know that Yitzchak loved Esav and Rivka loved Yaakov because she felt he was a tzaddik. So the question is, I mean, why didn't she say, my dear husband, unfortunately, you can't see. And you're a tzaddik, but you just don't realize, I'm telling you, Yaakov is the tzaddik. Why didn't she say that? That would have been obvious, right? It would have settled all the problems. Yitzchak would have given the bracha, you know, with the ganza hearts, you know, to Yaakov. Why didn't she say that? I once heard, look at this. In Bereshit Chavdalad, Pasek Samachdalad, when Rivka first sees Yitzchak in the distance, she's coming, right? With Eliezer's bringing Yitzchak. And then she says, who is that? Batisa Rivka say now, she lifted up her eyes. Bateras Yitzchak, Batipo Mialgamos. She saw him and she fell off the camel. She was so in awe. Of Yitzchak. And then she says to the Eved, Who is this person? That's coming. Right? This is your, the master. This is Yitzchak. This is the one you're going to marry. She took the veil and she covered herself. She couldn't even look at him. So she was in awe of him. Now, let's watch what the Netziv writes in Bereshus Chavdal and Samachai. She took the veil and put it over her head. She was so afraid. She was so in awe of him. Now, listen to what he writes. Her relationship with Yitzchak was not like Sarah im Avram or Rachel im Yaakov. They had a certain objection. So then they, they wouldn't have minded seeing something, saying something. If Rachel felt, as we're going to say in a few minutes, that she had a tiny on Yaakov, she was able to say it. Sarah felt she had something of wrong against that, but she could say it. Rivka couldn't say it. Rivka couldn't say it. Why is the Torah telling us that? Because that's not the ideal. The ideal is that it should be an open marriage. But over here it wasn't, because she was so in awe of him. That's what the Netziv is telling us. And by Yaakov, and that's so painful to talk about, Rachel didn't have children, right? And she says, give me children. And Vayichar Af Yaakov Barocha in Bereish Islam and Pusik Bays. Vayema Hatachasal Kimanech, what am I instead of God? You know, I have children. 
but you don't have children. So that's Hashem. You have to go down to Hashem. What do you want from me? So the Medrash tells us, Bereshis Rabba Ayin Al of Zion, and the Ramban brings it. Hashem says to him, That's how you talk to people that are unfortunate. So by Avram and Sarah, there was, could have been a Shalom by his problem. By Yitzchak and Rivka, you see that it wasn't an open relationship. And by Yaakov, he said something, and the Medrash says he was punished for that. That's what Asa Connector is. Hang in there. Arguments happen. Difference there. Now, of course, they were a million times greater than us. And their arguments and differences were much different than ours. But just remember, that's what it's all about. You have to resolve them and you come together. And of course, they're the Yavos and the Yavos of Klal Yisrael. That's really what it's all about. Well, very powerful. So I'm hearing a number of important things, but two major themes. Number one is modeling by parents is critical. And number two, conflict is okay, but it's how you deal with it. Exactly. So if exactly. you go back to the first point, modeling by a parent, by others is is critical. Now, I, I remember growing up and my father used to tell me, you can learn something from everybody, right? Some people you want to learn from what, what to do, and some people you want to learn from them what not to do. So, you know, for exactly example. what my father told me when I was learning to become a male. He said, watch every male. That's what he said. Exactly. <laughs> I can't believe you said these words. He said, you will learn either what to do or what not to do. Ah, so he, my father told me that when I was learning to drive. And he says, from some drivers, you want to learn what to do. And when for other drivers, you want to learn what not to do. So if we're, we're talking about the importance of modeling, can you tell us a lesson or two that you've learned in a positive way from other people's marriages, a model that you have, that you hold up, that you look to as an unbelievable example of how to act? Well, I'll tell you, just the day that we're making the recording, it's less than two weeks since Robertson Kamenetsky, Robertson Temi Kamenetsky passed away. I'll tell you something very interesting. My parents were the Shatronim for Rab Shmuel and his wife. My father and Rab Shmuel, Yubal Chaim, learned in Israel they were roommates and they used to fahir each other on that first big long run in the Durham. So they were very friendly. And then when my parents got married and they lived in Williamsburg, there was next block. We lived on Rush Street. The Brookses, Hazen Brooks, lived on Morton Street. I remember him. His daughter was Temi Brooks, and my parents were at the Shedach. So Rab Shmuel and his wife always, you know, anytime they saw me, they always said, you know, they were always so grateful. But a couple of years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to be at a Termosura Principals Convention in Atlanta. And Baruch Hashem, it's ultimate Shemayim. We were able to sit at the same table the whole Shabbos with Rab Shmuel and his wife. It was just remarkable to watch the derecheretz that she had to him and that he had to her with such a devotion and such a dedication to each other. It was remarkable. They surely they were in their eighties at that time, at the beginning of the eighties, and 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 they were both that age, and they had a marriage that was wonderful to the point where even at the Leviya, his son-in-law, Rabbi Shai Shachter, I'm very close to spoke about the devotion and the dedication. And he quoted a Pesach. I, I, I really want to quote this Pesach. It's so beautiful. He said this Pesach, noshim Now that's in Mishnah Yadalit Pesach Aleph. And Chachmois is wisdoms, the wisdoms of a woman, of women build a house. So he said that the Goyen asks, although actually you could see it in Rashi on the Pesach, why does it say Chachmois, the wisdoms in Lachan Rabim? And Besa is only Loshin Yachid, one house. Either should have said that the wisdoms of women build houses or the wisdom of a woman builds a house. And he said something very, very intelligent. And he said that there are many, many wisdoms 
that a woman has or should have to build a marriage. And that's what he said his mother-in-law had. There was menuchas and nefesh, no anger. Now, she had very strong opinions. Everybody knew that. She was very much into health. And she felt very strongly about certain things. But she always respected somebody who disagreed with her on these health issues. And I don't have to tell you that today in the United States, you know, people are very, very strong-willed against those who don't hold what they hold as far as the health issues. And it's very polarized, very polarized because of that. Right, exactly, exactly. But she gave respect to everyone. And not only that, no anger. She had the power to build people. And that's what a good woman has to have. She has to have many, many different wisdoms to see the best in a child, to build a child, not to break a child, and to look for the talents in a child and develop them. Now, I'll give you a small example. I have five children, Baruch Hashem. I'm a big believer in sports. I feel every kid, boys and girls, should be great in sports. And the reason I believe that, and my sons, both of them, who today, Kenayin Arab Baruch Hashem, are tremendous Tamir Chachamim, were fabulous athletes, fabulous in basketball, in baseball, whatever. And the reason that I'm a big proponent in sports is because I believe that a kid who's great in sports builds a self-confidence. And then eventually, when you have that self-confidence, when you get older, then you realize what you really have to accomplish and you can do anything if you have that confidence. So out of my five children, four were exceptional in sports. One daughter didn't like sports at all. But my, my wife saw and I saw that she loved to cook and to bake. So what I did was I bought her a subscription to Chocolatier magazine and she would make the most awesome chocolates. It was unbelievable. And her name is Elisheva, but we used to call her Elisheva, chef, like from a chef in the kitchen. And she developed to being such a fabulous cook and baker better than anyone because my wife and I, we saw that talent and this child and went with that. I wasn't going to force her to you know, play basketball if she didn't, that wasn't her. So you need the various chokhmahs, and it's, it's a woman, really. The woman sets the tone for the house. I can tell you here in New York, Rahman al a couple of years ago, we had that terrible, terrible, I don't know if you would call it a tornado or whatever, a terrible storm, Sandy, and millions and millions of dollars of damage. Baruch Hashem, nobody was killed. But so many men said afterwards, they lost their svarim, they lost so many properties in, in the house and things. And so many said, if my wife didn't have that confidence and give me that confidence that we could rebuild, I'd be finished. So the woman really has that chachma, you know, to build. And that was spoken about at that Leviah. And then Ramakil Kutler, the Rosh Hashiva of Lakewood, mentioned this passage at the Leviah. I couldn't get over it. He named Now, the simple meaning is how beautiful it is when people are together. Now, there's a Zoya. I've quoted this Zoya many, many times. That when men, when people get together, Gam Yochad Hashem, who was the Yochad, the Echadam Yochad, he comes to a gathering when people are together. Gam Yochad, then Hashem comes as well. So he said that when you went to the Rosh Hashiva's house, you saw the Shevas Achim over there. That's why you felt the Shechina in that house. Mm-hmm. Like the Rosh Hashiva of Lakewood should talk about the marriage of Rabbi Shmuel and his wife. That shows the holiness of the marriage and the Shevas Achim and the mutual respect. And that's when I think when you're asking about how to resolve, every person is different. You know, if you take a look when Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu that he was not going to take the Jews into Eretz Yisrael. So 
Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem to appoint Yifkeid Hashem, okay, Haruchos L'chol Bosa. That's in Parshas Pinchas. Hashem, you who are the master of all people, Mana, that Yifkeid Hashem, Ishala Eid, appoint somebody. So Rashi says, what is this Ishala Ish, Alakei Haruchos L'chol Bosa? And Rashi says, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Hashem, you know every person has a different mindset. Mana Aleim Manig, appoint a leader, that'll be able to tolerate every person according to their mindset. And that's what a husband and a wife have to know. They come from different backgrounds. They come from different families. And you have to be able to understand that it's not that they're against you. This is how they were raised. And I'll tell you a great story. You know, you mentioned my wife right in the beginning. It's amazing how you picked up the how capable she is and things like that. I want to tell you a great story. I didn't ask my kids if I could say the story. So I won't tell you which one it was. But I have a son. Not Ali Shabbat. What? Not Ali Shabbat. Not Ali Shabbat. So they were living in Israel and they were living in this apartment and um, in the kitchen or whatever. There were like three bulbs in the uh, lighting fixture that they had in the kitchen. And one of them went out. Nobody changed it. The second one went out. And finally, my daughter-in-law said to my son, my daughter-in-law said to my son, don't you think you should fix the light bulb, change the light bulb? He said, I should change the light bulb? Isn't that what you do? Now, where did he get that from? Because my, my house, my wife, all those things. So she grew up in a normal house, right? Where the husband does all these things. And he grew up in my house where I don't do anything except speak and write and do brisson or whatever. And she does everything. And I think that that's, you know, so it's you know, obviously, you know, she's waiting for him to fix a light bulb and he's waiting for her to do it because not that they had anything against each other because that's what, that's how they grew up. And, you know, I'm not telling you another thing also. I think what's very important is that when a man and a woman see the talents that each other have, they should go with it. Now, when my father passed away, I was only 21. And so I, I can't say I raised, but, you know, I, I took care of my mother. I did the finances in the house because I, you know, I, I was a model at, already at 21 and, you know, supporting my mother, my brothers and sisters. When I got married, I realized my wife is a math major. You know, she, she knows math cold. So I'm going to do the checkbooks. She should do it. She can do it. And she loves doing it. So in most houses, I would imagine that the husband is the one who does the finances and the checks. But if she's the maven, go with it. Let her do it. Why not? Right, she right. feels proud of it. The only things that I do in the finances, seriously, and we have a great, I do the stockers. All the stockers I do. The Maisa Cheshman that we do is all mine. Even when she will give what stucker, she'll always tell me what she gave so that I can keep the Maisa Cheshman. That's what I do. But otherwise, you know, so then that's, you know, you recognize the talents and you go with it. Right. So each couple has to figure out the strengths and, and weaknesses. Exactly. And what works for one is not going to work for the other, which actually exactly. leads exactly. to my final question for you. It seems that things have become more challenging nowadays. You know, unfortunately, we have an increase in divorce, unhappy marriages. So why do you think that is? And based on that, what advice do you have for the younger generation? I can just tell you what you are saying is so true. And it is so heartbreaking. Now, I'm involved in certain organizations. One of the organizations that I'm involved in is called Sister to Sister. Those are women that are never today single parents. Now, I'm not saying that every divorce that happened should not have happened. There's sometimes when it's just impossible. 
when things are just impossible. And so I respect if somebody tells me that they're divorced, unless you really know both sides, you should never, ever, ever judge a single parent. That means you shouldn't judge a single man or a single woman because you don't know the whole story. I once heard a great expression from a dear friend of mine in California named Ephraim Shore. He once said, every person that you meet is going through something that you know nothing about. Every person that you meet is going through something that you know nothing about. So when you meet a divorced party, whether it's the husband or the wife, you can't judge. You just can't judge. But one thing I will say that people have to work on a marriage. And if it means going to a robe or going to a therapist, they have to do that. And, you know, not everybody is willing to do that. I understand that because, you know, you look at other people, they seem so happy. And you figure, why can't I do that? And why can't my family be like that? Why can't I have the nachas? So it's an instant coffee generation. And there's no patience. We want instant gratification. And it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. It, it is a process. And the process is not always easy. There's no question. It's not always easy. And I'm sure that there are times when a person thinks like, what in the world, what decision did I make here? But it's not the end of the world. That's the Asa Connect Day. That's the Asa Connect Day. So there's no question, I think, that every person has to have either a Rav, a Rebbe, or Rosh Hashiva that they go to, that they would be able to ask. And like, for example, as I told you, you know that this morning I'm learning with Rav David Cohn. I've been learning with him for decades. So he's my go-to person. But even Rav David, has told me many, many times that when couples come to him, he's not a marriage counselor. So he will tell them after seeing them once or twice, but he won't see them more times again because he's not a marriage counselor. He'll tell them they have to go to therapy and then he'll advise them perhaps which therapist to go to. And there's nothing wrong. It used to be um, not a phobia. I'm not, uh, you know, like something like a negative thing if you had to go to a therapist. It's not like that. There are many, many from therapists, men and women. I'm dealing now with a young girl um, who her father wanted her to go to a certain male therapist. And she didn't want to go. And I was able to call Rabbi Babad from Relief. And he was able to recommend a few women. And this girl is now going to one of these women. And she is very, very happy. She feels that the lady understands her. And there's no question that these people are wonderful people. Many, many of them are so wonderful and caring. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really what it has to do. Right. Uh, Rabbi Crowen, I, I do want to say uh, a lot of great aids from you. Now, typically, I'd say somebody speaking party line or speak, speaking conceptually. But, but I see from the exposure that I've seen to you and your wife that you live what you say, and that we—that's your words mean a tremendous amount based on on what I've seen. So Yeshukayach, and I really want to thank you for joining us here today. And I just want to add one more thing, if I may, okay? And this is from the Rambam and Hilchos Tshuva, Perik Yud Halacha Gimel. Now, this to me is so startling. The Rambam says, what is the love that you're supposed to have, that dedication to Hashem? You should be so strong how you love Hashem. Until your heart, your nefesh, your soul is kishura, is tied to the Avas Hashem. And it looks as if you're almost lovesick. That's what he says. That's what the Rambam's lesson is. It's like the dedication and the commitment that a person has to a woman. And we all know when we were all engaged, right? That's what we thought, right? Day and night, right? And that's what the Rambam says. He's thinking about her all the time. When he's sitting, when he's getting up. He can't get her out of his mind, right? That's the same thing how, in other words, the marriage 
the love and the dedication and the commitment that we have in marriage, that's a stepping stone to show you how you're supposed to love Hashem. And then he writes, V'chol that's what Shia Hashem is all about. Shia Hashem, of course, you can't understand it literally. You're not supposed to take it literally. And I'll tell you a little secret to me and you but and the millions of people that are listening. Do you know that when Art Scroll was going to write the Shia Hashem, they had the biggest problem of all the Megillas? Because how are you going to touch it literally? It's very difficult. And Rab Gifter, so, he was the one who gave them the chizuk. Meir Lanowitz told me this many times. Rab Gifted told him, you got to do it, and you got to translate and show how it's a marshal for what the Chazal understood. Because Shiashim, we know, could be difficult, but that's what the Rambam is saying. Shiashim is a marshal, and marriage is a marshal. And we know that every home is supposed to be the Migdash Ma'at, right? Your home is a base of Migdash. So if we can now build our homes to be the Migdash Ma'at, with Hashem, we come so close to Hashem, we realize what dedication and commitment is all about. We can be Zaycha to the ultimate Beis HaMikdash, and we should all be there together. Very good. That's why we say, Beirach Stichli Le'olam, that the Eresin should be right. forever. We're saying that to Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that should be the same relationship we have with our wives, that it should be the Eresin, that should be the focus. Yeah, and, it's funny uh, that you should say that. I never thought of it this way, because when you're engaged, that's how you... Oh, committed. So the erastic, you know, that engagement period should be a little. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Rabbi Crone. Thank you for having me. Really a pleasure. Atzlocha, Rabbi, anytime. Just give me a call.